Good evening. Once upon a time ago, the district superintendent came by the all-age school and he came with one application. And he said that if there was a student who was interested in teaching, that there was this one application for this student to fill out. The principal of the school at the time had two options. One female, first name starts with B, last name Munnings. The other person was someone alias Wenley Fowler. I was not interested uh, because that happened just around noon. So I was only interested in food. I know that's contrary to what you might see. Um, but I was not so much interested in teaching. Now, of course, prior to that, I had sat in on several classes because the teacher was either ill or was on her regular maternity leave. So, the other student in grade, well, just starting, grade 12, so I confess I have yet to complete high school. I am looking for someone who will accept me. Uh, but during the first two months in the beginning of the school year, the other student told the, because now we, it was already publicized that by the end of the day, one of us will be asked or given the application for, to fill out and see whether or not we can enter the teaching professional an opportunity to come to the uh, metropolis, New Providence, to the teacher's college. And since it was near 12 o'clock, and since I had no real interest in teaching, this colleague of mine, classmate, if she was quiet, it would have been a done deal. But she boasted that she had more BJCs than I had at the time. As a matter of fact, she had six, and I had five. The one extra that she had, in those days we call it cookery. <laughs> I thought to myself, who needs that cookery? I could eat of the tree. And so just because she dared me that, and bragged that she is certain that the application would be given to her because she had one more BJC than I had at the time. When the principal asked whether or not you are interested, take that. I raised my hand just for the contest. 
Well, at the end of the day, to shorten the story, um, I was given the application. I went into college a year before her, and uh, she came, joined us the following year. I love teaching. Um, I apologize frequently to students that I meet um, who I would have taught. And in the past two weeks, I have really met quite a number of them in different places employed throughout the city. I've always apologized because they keep saying these things like, you haven't changed a bit. You know, I do, I do, I'm sorry for that, I do apologize, you know. And sometimes one of my methods is certainly to scan the person who's saying this to me so that I can figure out what age range they're in. So as soon as they say, Mr. Fowler, I scan what age this person falls in so that I can figure out where I would have been after I did some quick calculation and deduction as to where how old it must have been. Now I must confess, sometimes these persons may have been a parent of the students I may have taught in the past, and so sometimes I am wrong, you know, but I wait a little while, keep them talking, they will reveal who they are. But during the past uh, weekend, different places, um, there was functions we had with respect to um, celebrating teachers in the past week, and, and those who would have served our country for a long time. Dealing with a function at the hotel, I met persons who said, um, Mr. Fowler, wow, you know, um, you still, oh my, and they say, God, yeah. And they said, wow, you know, you, I was in your class, and I'm trying to read if they're wearing a tag, you know, <laughs> so I can scan, and if I can spot it, I will call them by the first name. I say, wow, hey, this you. Now, of course, if I can't see it, that presents the challenge. But just past Saturday, uh, Friday, really. I went to the, this business place and I was waiting to, to be served. And the girl said, um, do you teach? Oh, well, hither and thither, now and then. You know, she says, you, you, you taught at um, Yellow Elder Primary School? I said, yes. She said, I knew it. You spanked me. You know, you know, wow, you know, I said, did you remember what I spanked you for? She said, yes, for coming late. I said, then I'm satisfied, you know, because if I had spanked you and you forgot, then I would have failed. Because you wouldn't remember, and I don't like to repeat myself in those circumstances. I'm here to do something, three things. One is... To stand up, and I've done that. Two more left. To speak up, and then shut up. After I'm through, you may get up, and somebody will lock up. Would you pause with me as we do that, as we pray? Our Father, we are delighted that you brought us from across this island this, this evening, so that we might be gathered together around your word your word, and we pray that we will be attentive to it, but not only attentive, but that we might be responsive, so that when we would have left this place this evening, we would be certain that we would have been in the very presence of you, our God. These things, Father, we commit and ask of you, 
in your Son's name, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My objective is twofold, or my rationale. You know, I believe the first one is this. I believe that there are still some people in the world today who are unbelievers. Do you believe that? You know, I, I, I don't, who, any pharmacists in here, do they sell anything for enthusiasm? Uh, you know, I went to the pharmacist several, no, this is le more than three years ago. You know, I think it was Lowe's Pharmacy in Palmdale. They're still in the corner, right? Well, I went there and this lady um, was behind the, uh, she was there a long time because I remember when I went here to buy Huggies, um, I went to buy Huggies. Um, she was still there and she was, so she was been working there for a long time. And I asked her, I said, excuse me, ma'am, um, do you, do you all have any uh, fat fast? He says, what? I said, do, do you have any fat fast? Uh, what, what is that? I said, well, excuse me. I see behind you, you all have something called Slim Fast. I want something I can take and I can get fat fast. Yeah. <laughs> she said, try, oh, <laughs> you get out of here, you know. But I think they're very biased, you know. Um, everything is for a fat fast. I believe there are some people in the world today who are unbelievers and who need, as a result, to be reconciled to God. Amen? I, second thing, I also believe that there might be some Christians in the world today who may need to be reconciled to fellow Christian or maybe a non-Christian. In other words, these persons may have wandered away from what God expects them to do and how they are to act in the world today. Some of them might be right in the pew with you. Now that's a problem if you're in the pew by yourself. But I believe that. But the question is, what would God expect us to do with respect to reconciliation? What is it? Just as a background, I, I need to read for you what 2 Peter 3, 9 says. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. I think that's a clarion um, invitation for those who might be present, who have yet to place faith in Jesus Christ. And so I ask those persons just even now, before the service is over, that you consider the invitation, accept the invitation, and be reconciled to God. Secondly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19, it says these words. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
question. What in the world is this thing called reconciliation? A principal sent me an email. I'm not sure why. But she told me in the email that the FBI was looking for an assassin. Mm -hmm. An assassin. And they did this interview, this extensive background check, and did all the testing. But they only had one place available, or spot available for this assassin. It all boiled down to three. Three persons left. Two men and one woman. They had to do one final test. The instructor called the first man up, gave him a gun, of course, had it loaded, took him before a metal door, and he told him that we need to make sure you can follow instructions clearly and thoroughly. Gave him the gun, told him to go in behind the metal door, and he will find his wife in there. He is to shoot her. The man looked at the instructor and said, you crazy? I can't do that. I, then the instructor said, well, sir, then you're disqualified. Give me back the gun, take your wife and go home. The man said, thank you very much. I'll see you. And the man left. The second man was called, told the same instruction, given the gun. He went behind the door. His wife was seated in a chair in there as well. He went in, stayed in for about five minutes, and there was silence. After the five minutes, he came back out, tears in his eyes told the instructor, I can't do it. Can't kill my wife. The instructor very coldly says, well, sir, you failed the test. Please get your wife and leave. Then he called the lady, called her up again, met again, but called her up, it's her turn, gave her the same instructions, but the difference is her husband was in there. So he asked her to um, give her the gun. She went in. As soon as the door was closed, there was bang, 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 bang. I mean, all six chamber, I mean, everything was emptied. And then still after that, then there was this banging against the wall. They were screaming too, you know. And then after a while, the door opened. The woman came out sweating. She said, why you all put blank in this gun? I had to take the chair and beat him to death. <laughs> I think they need to be reconciled, but I need to define what this word is here. When you pick up a typical English dictionary, it says that the verb means to conciliate, to unite again, to bring back in harmony. It does not necessarily imply change, by the way, on the character of either, par either or both parties. Neither may acknowledge fault, but rather they may choose to simply 
tolerate each other. That's what Webster or Collins' dictionary might suggest to you. But in Greek, there is some difference here. There are at least three words used to differentiate the various changes which may occur when we think and talk about reconciliation. The first is usually, uh, which talks about through change. So change has to take place. And Matthew 5.24 um, is a good example of where this would have been taking place. And usually the fault on both sides, but the offending party must take the initiative to restore the relationship. Definite change must take place in one or both of the parties before they can be reconciled. I'm told that uh, a woman had uh, two sons and uh, they were always at one another's throat. In other words, they were at odds with one another. And it caused her many sleepless nights because she wanted them as brothers to get along. But nothing she did seemed to have been working. She prayed, she begged, nothing happened. One of the sons recognized how much stress and problem this was causing his mother, and he loved his mother. And so he decided what he's going to do is to go and buy his mother a gift. And he did. And he bought a very expensive gift. He took it to her. And, she's, uh, and he said to her, Mom, I, I see that there are a fueling between my brother and I is causing you a lot of pain. But I, don't want, I, I just want to bring you this gift, you know, um, to let you know how much I love you. And the mother says, I don't want the gift. What I really want is for you and your brother to be reconciled. I thought that was powerful because isn't it true that if you and I have an odds against a brother and sister, before we come to bring our gifts to God, what does he tell us? Go and be reconciled with your brother. Then bring the gift. Now, if the brother would have resolved the issue between himself and his brother, and then bought the gift and give it to his mother. I guess the mothers in the room would say, now nah, you're talking, they'll take the gift. And this is about overdue, you should bring more. You know. But in other words, you have to get your priorities right. And for the mother, she wanted to make sure that the relationship was restored. I believe that's what God expects of us as well, that there should be no enmity between us because we represent him. No excuses, and we give a lot. And we look at a few of them before we leave this evening. The second uh, definition or difference between the, the Greek used to describe this word reconciliation means complete change. Sometimes it may be referred to as being born again, a new creation used to show reconciliation between God and man. Romans 5.10, 2 Corinthians 5.18-20. In this case, the estrangement is clearly man's disobedience and the fall of Adam, of course. In order to be restored, man must acknowledge his sin and believe that through Christ's death he can be reconciled to God. Please know that it is man or people who needs to be reconciled to God, not God to man. God has not moved. It is man who has moved away from God. God, man then must come back, and God has provided a means for him to do that. The third word used um, in, in the Greek to describe this reconciliation, it has this idea or connotation that the additional 
um, preposition in the word um, apokalalaso, however, means that the reconciliation is carried a step further from just friendship with God to reinstatement as sons. And I like that. We don't get that um, connotation when we just looked at the English uh, definition. And so in summary then, reconciliation is the removal of enmity that stands between people and God. It is the basis of restored fellowship between people and God. And so here, God has laid aside or withdrawn his wrath. If God had used justice, it probably would have been impossible for us to be reconciled. You, have you heard people say that? That's not fair. Never heard that before. Or people, when it comes to God and what I would have done as a sinner, do I want God to give me justice? No. I want mercy and grace because justice will stick with the Lord. You do this, this is what happens to you. That's justice. But God has intervened. Instead of us being given justice, God has given us grace and mercy. I don't know, if you check the media headlines recently, you would find out that there are casualties of war uh, continue to increase. Another, you might find a testing of nuclear weapons. Uh, another headline might indicate that there is divorce or is on the increase. There's also another headline that might suggest that there is another act of violence on our school campuses. You might even read that there is murder of a teenage young girl whose body is found in the cemetery. There seem to be no peace. No peace in families. No peace at the workplace. No peace at school. No peace in the world. Someone has defined peace as that one brief moment of silence when everyone is standing around reloading. That's tragic. How many of you know, we normally say 9-11. Which year did that became popular? 2000 and... Now, why are you around? I hear two, I hear one. Make your mind up. 2001 is unanimous. So, to 2001. What happened on 9-4-2001? Straw market burned down Bay Street. Remember Darrell Miller? How many people do you know, uh, probably around the world, has not heard about 9-11? How many of them do you think have heard about 9-4? Yeah, only four <laughs> of us. I understand that the place where the straw market was and the temporary um, housing for that, the big tent, I understand they repaired it lately, right? It rained lately, right? I passed there yesterday and this morning. As a matter of fact, last week, I understand that there was some people who worked there were complaining. You know, by the way, that's a new stuff, new tent, right? It tells me that these tents don't work. 
But look at this. I want to look at a tent I found in, in the Bible. And so I want you to look with me at four therefores in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But before we do so, could you look in the same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5? I like verse 1. Just to bring your attention to that. Verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Yes, what it said. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down. Now, do you believe that they're talking about, um, you have a tent? <laughs> yeah. Your body? Do you know that most of the a lot of the problems with respect to reconciliation and the lack thereof has something to do with your body. You know, some people only look at your body and cause to get upset with you. And instead of who lives in it, just because of who you are. Some people don't like another person or will be ostracized from them just because of their height or their weight or the pigmentation of their skin, or some other unique feature that God has given to the individual. I don't know why the little girl came to me crying with her posse behind her, you know, and she, as we say, was crying her eyes out because some other girl told her that she had big eyes and she was crushed. Mm. Crushed. And she had a parade of persons behind her because they were teasing her about big eyes. From my eye, my point of view, she did not have big eyes. Well, even if she did, so what? They're your big eyes, baby. You know. <laughs> but she, I had to talk with her. And I asked her, that's what they said. Basically, to shorten this, is they said that, do you believe you have big eyes? Before today, did you believe you, did you ever notice you had big eyes? No, sir. So do you, do, do you trust that girl who told you that? Is she an eye expert? You know, no, sir. Well, why are you listening to her? And, well, because it was done in a teasing fashion, so her feelings, her emotion uh, was hurt by that. But isn't it true that some adults use other methods? You know, why is it that some people don't speak to you. Maybe in your immediate family or your second first cousin or the neighbor across the street. Is it because of your tent? Because you had a facelift <laughs> and something else dropped? Um, well, they, what is it that some people use so that they target you uh, as a reason why we don't get along? Is it because of where you live? Is it because of the things that you possess? It's amazing. And by the way, these are sometimes people who are call themselves Christians. For we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, and let me tell you, the tent, sometimes things will go wrong with this tent you live in, right? I tell you, you know. Hair gone. <laughs> and I, I, I ain't looking at nobody. 
in particular, you know, um, your, your, your knees don't follow instructions, and they send up signal saying, I'm moving, unless you put some WD-40 on it. Um, there are other signals that they send. So this tent, and it's a tent, it is not designed to last forever, you know, but we, there is a guarantee. I like that one. But, but there's another one we have, a house not made with hands. This one that God is giving us, a building um, from God, not made with hands. This one is eternal in the heaven. Now, if we can get a sense of that as to who we are, what we live in, and, and different people have different... You ever see anybody pass somebody's house and, and then find fault with it? Guilty, raise your hand. Tell the truth and shame the devil. That's what they tell me in school. But some people will drive by and say, I, that's an ugly color, eh? Did I tell you that's what they said when I first painted my house? I ain't gonna call it a color because I don't want nobody... Okay. But they drive and they slow down and say, you can see by the head. You know. <laughs> now, that, that's wrong, you know. But some people do that. And then some people stop and they just like the whole thing, you know. They get their stamp of approval, you know. Now, if I was out in the yard, you know, some people are bold enough to tell you, change that color, boy. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, now, they wasn't with me and helping me choose. I thought I was, I just I like that color. I don't even have the right to like a color, you know, unless it goes across the jury and y'all approve. Please tell me this is okay. Yeah, but don't put that other color with that color. Well, why not? All of it is one family, you know. But some people use that. The house costs you, you know, and the neighbor costs the road, you know, complaining. You know, who are you complaining to? They change the color, you know. It's amazing. Look at this one. These are the four therefores as I, as I rush through it. Look at verse 11. Therefore, it seems chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Now, this is Paul. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your conscience. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. Now, if you really fear the Lord, well, first of all, I, I believe that you believe that God does not want us to mean, be, be um, always or to remain in a state of uh, with our relationship to be in a state where there is no reconciliation constant and yet we come here and we sing these wonderful songs of praise and worship and then we do that three second fake smile when we shake on <laughs> yeah and then we turn if nobody's around us we go back to our normal state you know and then we do it again it's amazing how that works you know, but, but beyond that, what does God want us to do? But if you recognize that God, you will stand before him, this awesome, beautiful, wonderful God that we were singing about earlier, and to stand before him, his holiness, and then he pulls up the screen and show you about this relationship that you have not uh, made any effort to the, um, reconciled with or to have reconciled what excuse would you give him if you really fear him in that sense i would hope you'd fear him enough that you want to please him in everything that you do everything that you say your whole life and if you do so 
you would like Paul would say, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. In other words, God knows who you are. You could fool me sometimes, you know, but you can never fool God because he sees right through you. And I hope that you, that, that, that we are made manifest also to your conscience. I hope that I am authentic to you, that what you see is what you get. And if what you see here or in these brief moments that we spend together here on the Lord's Day, if this is just a charade, then I am a fake, I am a hypocrite, and this is not the real me. What I do after I leave you between Monday and Saturday, um, do the interview and find out if this is the same animal that you see here today. But beyond that, I know that I have to stand before a holy God who sees me. And so I personally will not allow anything, you know, on this plane to do anything that I'm aware of or conscious of that will um, grieve the heart of my God. Being, on, uh, being in a state of, uh, of enmity with anyone, I think, does that. Look at the other therefore in verse 16. Therefore, from now on, and I wish you can personalize that. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. I like that. I'm not looking at the color of your skin or those other physical features. Maybe in the past, before I knew Christ, there were some very important characteristics or traits that uh, I, I had to screen people or process that they went through. And even Christ. Some people might say, I know Christ. But it's, you know it's possible to know about him and not know him personally. And so, like Paul here, decide, choose now, that from now on, that you know no man, simply on the basis of their skin or external factors, but rather, as someone else says, but by the content of their heart. Look at the third, therefore, in verse 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. New things have come. That is, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new being. Therefore, you should have new attitudes. There should be some new behaviors. And it should be evident to those around you. Go down to verse 20. Another therefore. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Now you have danced to this because it's very personal. You know whether or not you, there are any outstanding matters with respect to a relationship that you might have. And then I will conclude in a few minutes with respect to just looking at what Scripture says so that we can apply that to our lives where we might 
uh, may not have done so in the past. And so we would take specific intentional um, actions to resolve any known um, situations or relationship that needs to be reconciled. I've heard many stories about, you, you've heard these stories about Peter, right? Um, Peter and the Pearly Gate, I call that the, the PPG, you know, um, Peter and the Pearly Gate stories. And there are always some people who go into this, Peter standing at the gate, uh, asking for admission. I'm told that um, on this occasion, a, a man came up and, and there was a new um, criteria um, set for persons to enter into the pearly gate. And they, they were giving points for this one. I'm told that Peter said that for you to get in, um, you have to tell me, the question was, please tell me, what have you done? And if you tell me what you've done, then you will get um, 100 points. Once you reach 100 points, I'll let you in. And the man said, well, prior to me coming here, I have been living with my wife now for 50 years. And not once during that entire time was I unfaithful to her, not even in thought. Peter says, wonderful. That deserves at least two points. The man says, what? Two points? Two points it is. And he says, well, also, um, you know, well, I go to church regularly. Every time the door is open, I'm there. You know, and I, and I participate. I give my tithes and my offering. Every opportunity. Peter says, fantastic. That's at, work, that's, that's at least another point. A point? What? He says, well, in addition to that, um, I'm involved in the ministries. I, I help the soup kitchen they have every third Saturday. You know, and besides, I assist with some of the um, homes, especially the age, and I volunteer my service there, you know, um, every, every, every month. Peter says, good. That's at least another two points. Two, this man, it was obvious the man was getting exasperated. So he said, well, if, at this rate, the only way I can get in this is by God's grace. And Peter says, bingo, <laughs> you got it. The only way you're going to get in here is by God's grace. So it's not by what you do. You know, the things you do is because of what Christ has done already for you. And so people who are working their way and trying to do these things, let me tell you, that won't cut it. It's only by God's grace that we are saved. And so in doing that, and if you recognize how much then we owe him that we can never pay, all he asks us is to be reconciled one with another so that we might reflect him. Now I'm thinking about this. Do you remember, and I'll say it again, do you remember Stephen? Not Cartwright, but you remember him? You, you know, Stephen, do you think there are some people who had something against him? That's why they throw stones at him. And they call it, he rocks. <laughs> you know, they killed him. Do you, do you remember Jesus himself? And there were some people who had some things against him. You know, um, and how did he respond? When people do things to you, do you say it's my right to what? Retaliate and to maintain the status quo of being unreconciled to them or should we imitate Christ in those situations? I think the scripture is very clear as to how we should react to that. I, I want to 
to suggest to you that um, let's read Romans and then I will conclude here. And just so I will read it as it is with some very brief passing comments. But I want to say that for us to, if we are to function effectively and with integrity as ambassadors for Christ, we must do certain things. And so I, I'm going to ask you to look with me and I will read fast, so please listen quickly. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, starting there. If we are to function effectively and to live with integrity as ambassadors for Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says this. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. You think that's important in any relationship? In other words, let love be real. Stop faking it. And to abhor, hate what is evil, and cling, hang on tight, almost glue yourself, epoxy glue yourself, contact, cement yourself to what is good. Imagine you're doing this and see whether or not this will act as any, in any way, in a positive way to enhance or to restore a relationship. Here's the verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. Giving preference... You ever watch people uh, on a line to pay utility bills um, or in the bank to be served? Um, never had that experience. You still keep everything under your mattress. Okay. Well, let's go to verse 11. Here's something else not to do. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. By, by the way, what is fervent in spirit? What does that mean? I'll give you five cents if you tell me. Uh, I broke. Um, fervent in spirit. Let it be boiling over, boiling kind of thing. That's boy, you hot. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope. Can you do that? Despite some persons like to, to say in a certain ministry, Mrs. Jack, despite the vicissitudes of life. Rejoice in hope, preserving or persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Can you still do that when it seems like people are picking on you, when people do not show you any respect? Some people don't want to speak to you uh, when you say, good day, good morning, good afternoon, and they don't respond. You remember one time I told you about the lady who was shorter than me, who I grew up with? And, um, you know, mom tells you when you pass an elderly person, you say, what? Whatever part of the day, it's good morning. Well, on my way to school, I, this lady had a little store on the side of the road, and she never answered me back. Well, she never answered us back because I was normally walking with somebody. She never answered. I'd say, good morning. And... I won't call her name because her great grand might be sitting here. And, but I, we said good morning, and she won't answer. Well, the first time we assumed, because we just say it in terms of as a reflex. But after a while, it was almost, we became aware, she doesn't answer you back. So why are we saying good morning? That seems like a waste of words, you know. And I only have about 7,347 words I speak a day. And so I just I could save this. But she didn't respond. So after a while, I, I told my mom, 
she don't speak back to me. So I ain't gonna tell her good morning no more. Mommy's daddy, you you still gotta tell her. Well, mommy's not there when I'm passing, so she won't know. You know, this lady was a little heavier than me as a boy. Um, I think she was much heavier than me because when she she lived on a little hill behind us and come down and to get down she used to stop twice to rest with a chair that her grandchild bought with her yeah, you know walk ahead 20 paces put a chair down boy see if I can make it you know and when she gets it she sits for about 10 minutes catch her breath and then she goes back well this day that I was going to school I didn't speak and by the time I got home she already told my mom I didn't speak to her. Now that's some distance. That's about from, from where all the shop was to where our house was. Was the, um, about, here, about from here to uh, Centerville Food Store. And she walked that distance between 9 o'clock and 3.30. She was fast, you know. <laughs> because when she's coming down in the morning, she'd take a long time to get down the hill. You know? But she got and reported me to my mom. And of course, I, I got row for that. She says, regardless of whether she speak or not, you're doing the right thing. You are showing courtesy. Good morning. Good afternoon. I don't understand that then, because I thought, if she don't speak to me, I ain't speaking to her. She's saving her breath. I can save mine. You know, uh, but that didn't work. That, anyhow. Um, how do you respond when somebody speaks to you or do not speak to you? Do you become offended? Do you feel like quitting? Have you ever thought, why are you doing what you're doing? Is, what's the motivation? Is this what you believe God will have you to do? If this is what God will have you to do, then stay in it. In other words, down on that truth, and whatever comes what may, stay because you're doing what is right. Do not be deterred. Look at verse 13. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. These are things that we do. Imagine if you employ all of these things in your, your daily life. Here is verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and cuss not. Now some people bless people differently. You know, they're a different kind of blessing. You know, especially in the Bahamas. Let me, bless, let me I will bless you. That, you don't want that kind, you know. But, you know. But, some pe but this is a good one here. We are to bless, that is to speak well of those who persecute you. And, and again, come back to, to uh, uh, Jesus and Stephen. You remember, you know, on the cross, Father, forgive them when you are being abused viciously. Stephen, similarly, you know, he had nothing negative to say as people were throwing stones at his head. You know, and sometimes people need to throw words at us. Or sometimes the Bohemian used the term, cut your eye at you. And some people get upset. You see how he, he look at me? I can't sleep. Um, what? You know, she, she cut her eye at me. Okay, but some people respond that way. What I'm saying is, let's bless those who persecute you. So the next time, as I tell some students who come with their, obviously, complaint. I, hence, they, they, they bring it to my attention. Um, I have to say it in a way so they can understand that when I'm telling them, well, here's how you deal with that. Um, if a boy says that he likes this girl, if the girl doesn't like the boy, 
she can get them roundhouse punch or say some things to hurt. If she likes the boy, there's a different response. And so, in this case, the girl came and this, this other students teased her, said, you like, he likes, he says he likes you. Now, like men, like, okay. But the child didn't like, the girl didn't like this, so she, was, she wanted me to stop him from saying that. Because other people here and them, and I like him, you know. So I, so I have to find a way to, okay, all right. I said, what did he say? Do you, what does he mean by that? I know, but I like, yeah, I like him to like me. Okay. Okay. Um, you know what? You know what you, you do? I said, man, this it may work. Why don't you try this? When, when he says again, you know, and then shock all, you, you, you believe in shock therapy? Well, I choose the language. I said, how about let's shock him next time when he says it? You know, next time he says it, tell him, say, I love you too. I said, I changed the word. You just the hold up her bottom chin, you know. Because, what L love? But oh, that's serious. That, that sounds like marriage. You know, this is primary school, by the way. <laughs> you know, but but I said, why don't you say it out loud so that now he is on the shoes on the other foot in a sense. So that I bet he would stop, you know. But she's I said, just try it. You know, I don't must pay her to relieve her stress. You know, but it works for her. I've defined it. It doesn't work with every child because that might make it worse. Because you're going to say that. Everybody going, boy, straight to the punch, you know, with that. You know, it's amazing. But find out something so that you can salvage what's going on there. Bless those who persecute you and bless and curse not. 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Oh, that's hard. And weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Normally we have that the other way around. When you weep, we rejoice. <laughs> Yeah, and when you rejoice and we feel so bad, uh, I wish lightning strike them. You know, we 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 we're thinking the opposite, but that's not what the Bible is saying. And as God's children, we are to follow what He tells us. I know it goes against the green of what the world is telling us, but we have been given this clearly. It's not an if an option. Be of the same mind. Now watch it, there is a salvation place for some persons who might be thinking this. Here it comes. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty of mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. <laughs> some people think they're smart. You know, that is self-explanatory. Look at verse 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, there is it, if possible, so far it is as depends on you. Be at peace with all men. By the way, and women. <laughs> you know, some people say, look, some people, you can't get along with them. Some people say, my spirit don't take. I, <laughs> I say, what you, which spirit are you talking about? You know. Uh, my spirit don't take with them. You know, me, me, me and him can't go two steps. Where y'all will go in the first place? I, I need to know. But people say that. But then again, you may have met somebody, if not person, you may have heard other people talk about other person. Even doesn't matter what you do. You know, you try a lot of stuff, and you've been patient, uh, patient so far, in trying to uh, at least remove whatever unknown or known enmity that might exist. And this person seemed to be unresponsive. 
and you say, Lord, this is the last time I can pray for them. You know, after the day, I cut them off. Dead cold with that. You know. But if it's at all possible, <laughs> be at peace with all men. If possible. Now, some of you have to choose that between you and God. You know. And so in your own heart, but do what is right. And, and don't let it be like, hey, but you never, never said. It may, be, it may take a week, two, two years. And you know, some people are very good at holding grudge. And, and that's why children are such a wonderful example um, of making up. You know, um, making up could be fun. You know, uh, but some people specialize in being aloof and not to make up, just to maintain the status quo of enmity. You stay on that side. Next time, maybe I should watch who we'll never go across the aisle here. That would be an interesting thing and find out why, <laughs> you know. But we should try to live with everybody in a state of reconciliation. There should be nothing that will keep us apart as God's children. Verse 19, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. I like that. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Can you do that? If he is thirsty, give him a drink. That is not laced with arsenic. Just give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It seems to suggest in the last verse that as if evil is pursuing us, and if you park, evil will catch up with you and overtake you, almost consume you. But we are being admonished to do the opposite. Overcome evil with good. So when evil presents itself, you do what is good, being empowered and enabled by God the Holy Spirit, so that you will overcome evil with good. And so I entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God and also to family members, family of God as well as your biological family, your colleagues in the workplace, your peers and school settings, and live in the presence of the gift of reconciliation, knowing that you have been transferred from darkness into light, from being the recipient of God's wrath to being the recipient of his blessing, from spiritual death into spiritual life. But I admonish you, as Paul did to the Galatians, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6 and 2. I pray that we would take these words as God would have given them to us in Scripture, so that from now on, we will not allow any condition of um, enmity to exist between any of us or anybody between yourself and outside of you and to us 
the the uh, the parable Jesus um, suggests in Matthew 25 and 24. You take the initiative and go and, and, and address or speak to the uh, person who may have offended you. Now, it ain't like little children say, he knocked me first. Or he, he could say it first, then I'll do that. You take the initiative because that's what God would expect us to do. My prayer is that we will be obedient to these words as recorded here for our own um, development and growth so that God might be exalted in every area of our lives as we seek to please him and grow in maturity. Pray with me. Our Father, thank you again. And indeed, we cannot thank you sufficiently for all of your many wonderful blessings in our lives. Indeed, we have been recipient of such marvelous grace and abundant mercy. And we thank you for this time that we would have had as we look into your word and we hear your heart as it, as it relates to reconciliation within the body of Christ. Indeed, we confess that we have not always and sometimes we have maintained a state of enmity between ourselves and other members of the incredible body of Christ as well as those we seek to witness to indeed to be ambassadors to. We have failed and we confess and ask for your forgiveness. But henceforth, Father, no longer will we be disobedient to your clear directive to us. And so we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit that we will face these giants of enmity and let love, let goodness overcome evil. These things we ask, Father, in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen.